Welcome to season 12 of Delving Into Dance. I'm Jacob Bowen. This episode looks at the extraordinary life and career of Auntie Lillian Crombie, dancer, actor and legend of Australian film, television and stage. Auntie Lillian Crombie is one of Australia's leading actors and studied acting, dance and drama at Port Pirie Ballet School, NIDA, NASDA, the Eora Centre and the Alvanelli American Dance Theatre in New York. Auntie Lillian is trained in classical, modern, jazz ballet and traditional Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander dance. Auntie Lil has had feature roles in numerous films, including Baz Luhrmann's highly acclaimed Australia. She has extensive credits in television and has played leading roles in many successful theatre productions, including Meriki the Peacemaker, Conversations with the Dead, Black Mary, Gungies, Capricornia and Rainbow's End. I started our yarn by asking Annie Lil about the launch of her latest project, the Lillian Crombie School of Dance and Drama, providing performing arts training for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children in regional South Australia. When I was in Sydney, um, a lady after my 2019 um, sharing the Lifetime Achievement Award with um, Equity Foundation, um, a lady came up to me and um, said, why would you want to have a school when you've got Nazian Bangara? And I said, well, they don't cater for kids from 5 to 15, 16. So then afterwards, she sent an email out and um, and she's now sponsoring the Lillian Crombie School of Dance and Drama. I thought at first, oh, this woman, like this, until she sent that email and said she wants to sponsor it. So from that on, that day on, that was good. And so now I've registered the school and um, and just recently had two weeks of dance workshops with the kids. Um, on a Sunday because of my health reasons and um, and the kids just loved it. So the last Sunday, they uh, apparently I heard one of the kids was crying as they were going home and was saying, I want to go back, you know. So because of that as well, I'm going to do something um, in the um, – the Christmas holidays. So next year, uh, February, I actually want the kids to learn classical ballet because that's where they get their training from, like self-development, poise, uh, discipline. Um, So they um, have to be serious if they want to do it, you know. And um, anyway, so then I'd like to do the... um, uh, hip hop, uh, the the new thing that's happening, or it's an old thing, but you know, uh, hip hop, um, classical ballet, um, modern singing, drama, and the um, and the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander dancing as well. Brilliant. And uh, yeah, so that's that's where I'm at at the moment. And so what was the motivation? Because you've moved back to Port Perry now, eh, after many years of being away? Well, when I was um, a kid, 
uh, when I came, before I came to Sydney, when I was 16, 17, um, I actually wanted to have my own dance school yeah. and that to um, have the ballet school on this property. But, of course, nowadays that property is taken up. So, um, yeah. But, yeah, I think it's after that lady um, came up to me and, and said that, you know. Mm. And then um, after that it just all went all went different. Yeah. Chris, that was your your early start into dance, wasn't it? Was at the Port Piri Ballet School. Was that your first introduction into dance, was through ballet? Okay. A girl in my class, she was doing ballet mm. in primary school. And so I asked her if I can go. She said, you'll have to ask your mum. So I asked my mum and she uh, said yes. Uh, mum didn't know what she was getting herself in for, but anyway, I'm thankful to her. Um, she... Um, so I went to ballet school and my first time I went to the building, to the church hall, mm -hmm. uh, I didn't realise they were having exams. Nobody told mum. But anyway, I nearly walked in and the <laughs> and one of the examiners um, was uh, actually shooing me off. Like, they should have locked the door. But mm -hmm. anyway, they were shooing me off. That's when we went around the corner and that's when mum... Uh, and the teacher spoke and saying, no, uh, it's exam day today, so no ballet school today. And I thought, oh, okay. So I was very eager then. So was mum, I think. Probably wanted to get rid of me for the day. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so then I started doing ballet, uh, doing the exams and all of that. Uh, um, passed on a couple of them. One was highly commended. Uh, then there was one that was honours and then there was um, a pass. So I was quite happy about that. Because mm, there's um, some great photos. I know on your on your Facebook page there's, you've been uh, going down memory lane and there's some great photos of your early days at Port Piri in your uh, studying as a ballet dancer. And there's also video there too, eh? I think so. I think yeah. so. Someone yeah, um, yeah. I've, you know, I've recently come back to Port Pri, oh, like four years, mm -hmm. but um, I just moved into a place and I'm slowly unpacking, mm -hmm. right, and that's how I'm getting all these photos. So that's why, oh, I might put that on Facebook. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but I'm saving some of those for my documentary, which is another story, but anyway. Story. So when you were doing um, ballet, when you started ballet, were you the only Aboriginal girl in the ballet class? Yes, I was. I was the only Aboriginal girl. And how was how was that? Like being the only Nunga in the in the class was that an easy road? Um, well, actually, that didn't bother me because uh, my ballet teacher always said to us girls, "When you're in the class, you leave everything outside the door," and I've carried that. Um, that wise lesson to when I came to Sydney, I leave everything outside the door mm. and focus on on whatever you're dealing with at that moment. 
have to say those are pretty wise words, um, especially yes. to get on in, in the industry that we're in. Um, now, a little birdie told me, I think it might have been you actually, um, that when you were uh, in your early years of study, um, that one of your early career aspirations was to be a ballet dancer for the Russian ballet. Yes, that's correct. Yes, yes. Mum gave me all these books, uh, ballet book, you know, the princess, princess books and that. I still got some here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That'll be shared with the kids now. Um, and on it there was um, a story about um, Anna Pavlova, but in the kids' book. Oh, wow. And um, and I remember there's one picture like drawing animation where the little girl's sitting at the in the audience um, up on the top looking at the dancers. And then when that 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 focused with me, you know, seeing you know ballerinas. And uh, and I thought me doing ballet, I thought this is great. I want to be a ballerina and that. So I wanted to go to Russia because of Anna Pavlova and then, and then later because of um, Nureyev and that. But anyway, so when I um, uh, started doing that, I was thinking about, uh, not all the time, uh, because my ballet was focused because of my teacher, what she said, but uh, that, that those little books helped me as well. Mm. And um, uh, and I actually wanted to go to um, Elaine's just come in, sorry. Hey, Lainey. <laughs> Say hello to her from me. Jacob said hello, Elaine. Just you can't quiet. Jacob said to say hello. Yep, she's waving. You're waving. Anyway, so, okay, where shall I start from back again? Uh, oh, you said the princess books, and that's all good. So how about... Yeah, princess book. Yeah. You want to continue? Did you have another story about that one? Uh, because of that, um, of Anna Pavlova and also Rudolf Nureyev, uh, because it was in Russia, you know, these guys... And they studied there, and I really love Russian dancers because they're so focused and so strong. Because they, because I'm thinking maybe of the country and all the dictatorship going on, that they, if they go there, they have to do that. Mm -hmm. So they're like soldiers, you know. But when I see them perform, and uh, you know, I just, you know, I just, I just like, I want to. Go there. I really want to go there and there so, to dance. So these are a couple of words that have, have come up in conversation so far. So discipline, drive, poise. Um, they're all kind of drivers that have carried you through an entire career, eh? So from ballet, you end up, from studying ballet in, in Port Piri, you, as a young girl, all of 16, end up in Sydney. How did that happen? And where did you go? Um, I had to, I had a scholarship to go to Sydney 
to go to the Dance Concert Limited uh, because Mrs. Walker, uh, she was the dance CEO and um, she actually had a company that was in um, uh, character dancing, like from Russia, uh, from Hungary, the Philippines, the Polish, um, Mexican, all of that. So just as well I had the training of classical ballet, um, I could do all this and still, you know, keep focus, you know, all the training that I had in, um, in Port Piri, um, I was grateful for that. And that, that's what Mrs. Walker seen in me, um, I assume, and probably being the only black kid too, maybe, I don't know. Uh, so I don't know if that was right or whatever. But anyway, so uh, I went to Sydney. And Dance Concert Limit, Limited, um, were they... What, they were doing uh, all kinds of different cultural dancing, but was that public performances as well as training? Yes, yes, it was a public. We went to schools mainly. And mm -hmm. uh, if there was any festivals, like the um, opening of Old Sydney Town, I was there, and because our group did the Maypole dance. Exactly. <laughs> but that was great. That was great. That was, uh, you know, because I look back on it, and I said, yes, we were there for the big opening of old Sydney town and uh, that's up north of Sydney. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. And what year was that, that you were in Sydney with that concert? Oh, uh, Sydney would have been about 75, yeah, uh, start of 75. Start of 75 and around about the same year, same year wouldn't it have been, that there was the infamous, now infamous, six-week uh, course Workshop. in dance and drama that was run by the National Black Theatre, eh, in Redfern? Yeah, that was run by Old Black Theatre, yes. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Um, How many we, were there? There was you. I know there was you there. Yeah, there was. Um, I mean, everybody came from all over Australia, the writers, uh, like playwrights, uh, voice tuition, uh, dance, drama, and that, and uh, that's where I first got connected with City Blackfellas. Yeah. And I was in another world, okay. which is a world that I'm in now, mm -hmm. but going there, uh, my focus was on just dance, because I was still with Dance Walk at Dance Concert Limited. So they let me go off for six weeks. I don't know how I got to be there, but, you know, I'm sure we'll find out. Um, anyway, so as as I was going in, you know, we stayed at this hotel and we'd walk to the old Black Theatre. Um, when I go in, it's, uh, hello, everybody, and all of this. And uh, I was... <laughs> I was amazed at some of these blackfellas that can speak out like oh my goodness like they're actually speaking their minds like mm. this you know and kind of really straight out 
like one um, uh, Maureen Watson, you know, she passed. A beautiful lady, really gentle, and as she would say, um, in this doco, right, called Sunrise Awakening. Yeah. And she would say, why is there no um, blackfellas in their film crew? Why aren't there any like this? But then she'd put in a little smile at the end of it, like, you know, something about, about her being, you know, she could be a star or yeah. something like this, you know. But anyway, if you see the documentary Sunrise Awakening, then you'll see what she really said. But there are some others that were pretty straight out, like, oh, my Lord, this is, wow. You know, I was a bit shocked. I was very naive. Um, uh, yes. That. And was this the first time that you had been in a classroom of just young, driven um, blackfellas, a classroom all of blackfellas? Yep, that's the first time. Drama. And I felt okay, actually. Yeah. I felt good. Yeah, of course you would, because that would have just opened up a whole new world, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Because there was one lecturer I know you've spoken to me about um, privately before, Brian Siren class. Was it in yes. the week class where you had um, an epiphany in terms of movement and drama and acting it was something about the leaves falling on your hands wasn't it oh yep 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 um we all got to sit in a circle on the, our chairs and the exercise was to uh so he picked me the exercise was um that we had to do something with uh do some kind of movement with our hands and then as we're doing that, we then change to something else. And um, anyway, so what happened was um, uh, I didn't realise that I was actually um, talking about the time when I was uh, taken away to be sexually abused by this man, right, in Adelaide. So I remember when I first walked with him there was this uh this this tree uh, it had small leaves and it was like it was kind of flickering like with the morning sun and it was just beautiful and I just looked at that and um anyway so what happened I I imagined that I was feeling that leaf and that and I was just um just feeling it and it was smooth and then it would somehow change into change into me um, um, getting the uh, thermometer or is it lemon or something and to put it in my mouth so it was like oh sweet you know not, um, acidy so that's when um, that's when everybody had to follow me doing mm. that little exercise oh wow and that would have been a, a really kind of powerful experience in terms of um, how personal storytelling can, you know, yeah. influence and affect your choreography, the drama, the, that would have been quite a potent and powerful experience for you, eh? 
Yeah, because um, I haven't done drama mm. or anything like that. And when we all, ah. you know, when we did the the, uh, the workshop, especially with Brian, because he was so straight out. Mm. And um, anyway, he would say to us, he was teaching us his exercise. So we're all in a circle once again. And so we had, all had to stand up. We had to move our body, you know, and our hips and everything. You know, I felt a little bit shame about that. But anyway, so I just moved myself around and he's saying, he's saying, now I want you to bring it down and then out through your crutch like this. And I was because, you know, being a naive girl, um, and I just looking around at everybody, but, you know, we still did it, still did it. So that was a shame. So was this the seeding or the, the first seeds of um, planting the seeds of you becoming interested in drama and acting, hey? Mm. Well, I didn't think of it like that, but, yeah, because it was. It, the following year in, what, 70... Six, it was the Aboriginal Islander Dance Theatre was formed. Um, yeah, there at the helm, eh? Yeah, it came out of uh, it came out of the six weeks workshop. Yeah, and um, so because I went back after the six weeks, I went back to Dance Concert Limited, so I stayed there, mm -hmm. and um, I think it was about about seventy six. Mm. Finally went in there, but um, yeah, that's when um, I was moved into the dance, you know, the Aboriginal Islander Dance Theatre. Yeah, which has yep. been extremely influential, pretty much. Uh, you all, in that time, pretty much forged the pathway for a lot of Aboriginal Islander uh, contemporary dance choreographers that are working and, and creating now. So you were part of the Aboriginal, the original Aboriginal Islander Dance Theatre, and I believe in 77, this is where you started to travel the world and... Uh, yeah, that's, and, that's amazing. Mm, yeah. Uh, 77, you went to the, I think it was the first international show that AIDT did was at the... Second World Black and African Arts and Cultural Festival in Lagos, Nigeria. Is that right? Yes, yes. Tell us about that. Wow, that was a bit of a shock. That was my first time ever I've been overseas. Um, when we went there, we flew to uh, Greece, um, Athens, Greece first, stayed overnight, mm -hmm. and then, <coughs> then we flew across the Sahara Desert. I was looking out and... It was just amazing. It's such a big continent, you know, but it was about four or five hours in the air, just desert. And I was thinking, I hope this plane's got petrol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a black fella, yeah, but I, I, I won't be able to survive out in the desert. But anyway, um, so as we're coming in, trees were popping, so we're coming into, you know, vegetation, everything, then we landed. Uh, but my first thing when we was on Air Zaire, um, that, that was the plane. I don't know if it still exists or not, mm. but that was the plane that took us to Lagos. But there was all these blackfellas as air hostess, pilots and everything. I thought, oh, okay. 
Um, I didn't know that could exist, you know, being mm. a kid naive. So flew in and plane landed and we looked outside, you know, on the tarmac. So it's black fellas, black fellas, black fellas, you know. And, um, yeah, that was a bit of a culture shock for me. And then we went to um, our accommodation, of course, and it was like spot the white fella. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't see anything. Oh, true. But anyway, that was was something. And what was – do you remember much about the dance piece or dance pieces that you would have performed at that festival? Yes, we did the, uh, the Tent Embassy. Mm. And um, we danced on this this huge big stage, and there was us five dancers like me, Rosalind Watson, uh, Wayne Nichol, Richard Tolonga, and Michael Leslie. Yeah, uh, we were dancing, and but there was a crowd of um, about two thousand or more people mm-hmm. in the you know in the um, in the auditorium. And uh, that uh, that was overwhelming, to say the least. Mm. Mm. But a great experience. Because AIDT, you were famous for, um, you know, making work that was political in nature, wasn't it? There were a lot of um, works that not only lyrical and poetic, but also had uh, real, made real political statements about the, you know, Australia of... Of that. Yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because the um, the dancers um, uh, were all uh, political, but for us, just dancing, and uh, we were um, grown into it like brown skin baby. You know, I didn't know that that became uh, so much for me. And then you had. Uh, Black deaths in custody, and um, and few of those things that was happening in Australia at that time, or even before. Mm. So um, Carol wanted to voice it out in 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 dance, yeah. and that. But we were just kids. I was a kid, you know. We just did it because I, I love dancing. Can I ask you, can I ask you um, a political question then? Like you've mentioned, you know, dances that were made about Brown Skin Baby, um, the the song, and, and also the Tent Embassy, Black Deaths in Custody, has much changed? Do you reckon? Um, has much changed, did you say? Yeah, has much changed in Australia, do you reckon, for us blackfellas? You talk- nah, no, nah. I don't think it's changed. I mean, there's people slowly... Um, realizing things you know but mm. some people are doing something about it and uh, so some people don't want to get involved in that you know yeah. because they just want to have a peaceful life mm. and that you know just go every day to day gardening shopping bills and you know and family mm. you know that's what i believe that there are some people that is supportive now yeah of the black struggle and that, yeah. Do you think then um, it is, I mean, what do you think of uh, current generations? You know, we've got a lot of of different opportunity. Um, 
you know, now as, you know, compared to back then and of theatre makers, choreographers, dancers, do you think it's, um, do you think we need to be more political in the work that we create? Oh, do we need to be political? Yeah, this new, you know, current generations and future generations of Blackfellow theatre makers, choreographers, do you think we need to continue to be political in the work we make or is it inherently being a Blackfellow, anything that you make is, is going to be political anyway? Well, the thing is, in my thinking is, um, in my thoughts, is because of what I've learnt and that, you know, because it is important and it's about um, it's about the creative side for the um, the choreographer. If they wish to do that, you know, they can, uh, you know, do that. Mm. But um, uh, if it's like with kids or something, you know, maybe that that would be a different story. Because, uh, but obviously, further down the track, there will be some things like that. But I was. Um, I was 16, 17 when I was first introduced to, um, you know, Blackfella stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. I was around with all the black activists around that time, you know, and I liked uh, At first I was a little bit shocked, <laughs> I might add, but, but afterwards I thought, wow, they're saying what they're thinking, you know. Mm. So I'd like to do that, but anyway, that's a bit further down the track. Yeah, so you, tra you start travelling overseas with um, AIDT, start getting international experience. Uh, soon after that, you go from joining Dance Concert Limited to then, or leaving Dance Con Concert Limited rather, to then studying at the newly formed National Aboriginal Islander Skills Development Association, which Carol Johnson had set up, which was the Australia's, which is still Australia's longest running um, dance training institute for blackfellas. Um, you were there part of the early days with NASDA too, eh? Yes, or ARDT and early days of NASDA. Um, uh, to tell you the truth, I, I don't know when that name changed. So I could have been there or I couldn't have been there. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. It was 70s, eh? Um, yeah, somewhere back then. <laughs> but then you also, through that training, you end up uh, doing a secondment uh, with the Elvin Ailey American Dance Theatre, eh? What year did you go train with Elvin Ailey? Um, are you talking about Elvin Ailey? Yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right. Sorry, I couldn't hear you properly. Yes, there you are. After NASDA, or I was still at NASDA or ARDT, um, I put in funding to DEET back in the early days. Mm -hmm. I think Department Education, something or other, that title. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So I put in for this, uh, for this scholarship. So then I had to go into the Australian Council or somewhere, I can't mm -hmm. remember, and then, um, then I got it. But I thought I'd take six months because I might get homesick. Yeah. It was a 12-month scholarship, right? So I took six months because I might get all homesick and all of that. 
So when I went there, um, it was so every second person was blackfella, mm. right? You know, as I'm walking down the streets of New York, and Albanelli, um, um, so when I got there, it was the last week of the blizzard snow, and um, I've never seen snow in my whole life. <laughs> and they had these huge big windows. We still do the dancing exercise, whatever, but I stopped and I was looking at the snow falling and, uh, yeah, I freaked out, That's freaked right. out of the snow because I didn't, I mean, I knew what it was, but I was quite, um, I'm not used to that. Yeah, mesmerised by so I remember as I was um, walking around, you know, the gutter part and all that uh, slush, what do they call it, that's kind of banked up um, in the gutter mm. and I was like, you know, moving with my feet, my shoes and just looking out and seeing all this snow and everything, you know. And then, um, and of course, one um, dance colleague, uh, him and his girlfriend, they were walking along. And anyway, he sang it, hey, you virgin, like this, you know, because virgin for the first time that I've seen snow. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I remember that. Yeah, that was quite funny, I thought. But anyway, so these what? things happen. <laughs> experience, life experience. That's good. So what was it about your time with Elvin Ailey? What, what did you learn there that you couldn't have learned at home? Uh, I think um, because it had that kind of professional standard and um, and being there, you know, it's been a long time being there and, um, and had all these uh, teachers and that where they work really hard, which I really liked mm. and that because it kept me, uh, but I was still a little bit, young in doing all those dance that they did, they were more kind of stronger and, you know, because they probably go to class all the time. But that's when I went in and uh, this was like, you know, like a big world in that dance studio. And, uh, yeah, so everything happened in that studio. And I was doing the dancing and doing the exercise and all of that. So that was pretty cool. Did you get to perform with the Elvin Ailey Company or did you see, were they in rep, were they doing shows at the time that you were over there training with them? No, I um, I was just a student yep. and I didn't do any performing, but we went and seen one girl uh, who's in the company, um, so all Alvin Ailey students can go in for nothing. So as we're at the at the club studio, studio 58 or 58, 54, yeah. Studio 58, I think. Is that Studio 58 or 54? It was the most famous. Famous club, yeah, Studio 54. Yeah, the famous. I think Studio 54. Were you in Studio 54? Huh? Did you go to that club? Yes, me and Michael Leslie oh. and all the other dance uh, dancers from Alvin Ailey. Mm -hmm. So we got in for free. Everybody was, you know, <laughs> lined up, 
you know, but we got in because they got those heavy bounces and stuff like that, you know. Mm. So anyway, but we, oh, this is cool, just going straight in. Um, anyway, um, so the studio was like really, it was, you know, he had things coming down from the ceiling and lights and everything. And we had one of the dancers dancing, you know. It was pretty cool. Mm. Brilliant. Yep. So Elvin Ailey, like you've, there's so much to cover in in your career, but oh yes, like to because you end up then, you know, having a, an extraordinary career in television, in uh, film, and in theatre. But there's also one part of your career that I find fascinating. Um, I was hoping you would speak to us about that. It's because I heard through the grapevine, and it's been you know, I never got to see it, but you were a uh, drag king and a drag queen at some stage <laughs> in your career, weren't you? <laughs> yes. That grapevine is very strong and ripe, isn't it? <laughs> yes. And I never got to see those shows, but... How, oh, really? How, yeah. How did you... Because it sounds like a bit Victor Victoria, you know, the Julie Andrews film. You know, woman yes, yes. I haven't seen that movie, but I've heard about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, how did you end up in that kind of scene? How did you end up doing all of that? Yeah, I know, I know. That was weird. Um, <laughs> when um, there was... Um, I had to do something for the Nambanda Festival that's at Belvoir Street Theatre, you know, and um, so when I, you know, asked Stephen, Stephen Page from Bangara to do me a choreography mm. for that, you know, and um, then somehow um, Stephen got in on it too with Bangara. <laughs> So we were all doing the 70s and 80s songs, you know, like, um, uh, I can't think of it, Car Wash, you know, I was doing the car wash scene with the boys, you know, all the boys, uh, you know, from Bangara. Mm -hmm. So it was really cool. And and then we were all dressed up, you know, I had the long wig, you know, being the girl in that, and they'd be chucking me around here and there, yeah. you know. I don't think I could do it now, but anyway, and then <laughs> and then we had these other things. Me and David Page, and I, uh, and and Marlene Cummins. Mm -hmm. um, so we all did this one dance. So uh, it was quite funny. Uh, what was that song? Oh, gee, man. must be getting old. Can't think of it. But uh, you were big fat woman, big fat woman. Ain't no dancing with no big fat woman. That song. <laughs> anyway, I'm not, I don't know if I'm singing it right. I should get my daughter. But anyway, so so we were doing that and the girls, you know, the little tiny little things they are made me sick seeing <laughs> their little, you know, they're in those little gold um, shiny shorts, you know. All of them were in there. I thought, oh, I wish I could. I probably wear it as a hat. But anyway. <laughs> But yeah, so that was that. That was um, so. It really kind of started from there, I think. Mm. And then I, because with the acting, mm. it came into it too. You know, when I did the dry, uh, the you know dancing at AIDT, you know, for the end of the year show, 
you know, somehow that's when Keith Bain, which we'll talk about afterwards, had invited me to NIDA. But anyway, and that's when I was doing all these drags, drag shows, and people liked what I did, mm. you know, and um, and I thought, oh, okay, so it's about performing, mm. but performing with, um, you know, there was a bit of comedy because I, I always used to clown around as a kid and that, and then it came into acting. So I thought, yeah, why not, you know, it'll make people laugh and be happy to see this woman here, got no shame dancing and then she would be dancing as a man because me and David we hosted one Yarbin concert you know and um, he was Tina because he had the deadliest leg and in the skinniest body and I you know I played Ike <laughs> so so I don't know if that's recorded or not but anyway that's that was me and David and we just kept on doing drag shows ever since and then my cousin Jasmine she's a real tall girl um so she her and I did the drag drag act so we do it for community events you know for the opening of something you know mm -hmm. or uh I did one at Elvis uh me being Elvis and I'd have I'd be only one at the NADOC ball doing all my quick changes while the music thanks to David was putting the music on, um, you know, for me to quick have a quick change from one character to another. <laughs> that was quite funny. There was Clary Clue. There was Clary Clue. There was somebody else I can't remember, but that was my main one, Clary Clue Clary. and Ike and Ike. Oh. So I was, I don't know, because of that acting, mm. it made me... Um, be that person. Yeah, because it would have been in a, a good amalgamation of what you're clowning, you're acting, you're dancing. It all kind of comes in, eh? Yes, I know. Yeah. But, um, yeah. You're there, um, again, as well, as part of this also happens around the same time in the 80s oh. when um, you're invited, you know, to uh, Mardi Gras events, you know, when blackfellas start getting in on Mardi Gras parades and then also the early AIDS um, response too, eh? You were you were performing for the, the luncheons there too. Yes, yeah. Um, because Malcolm, uh, he was one of our dance friends, mm -hmm. colleagues, and him being a very straight-out gay person, mm -hmm. he, just, uh, he just, he didn't care about what people thought. He never, you know, and that's what I liked about that, you know, no need to feel the shame job or anything like that, you know. So when, uh, because back in the early days, that's when the, the, the Mardi Gras, uh, I think it started in 1978. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, and that's when we we're already, you know, the school was already into it mm -hmm. by then. And, um, and that's when Malcolm, he went there, uh, I don't know if you went to the the rioting and stuff like that. Um, 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 he probably would have, but um, and that's when it finally came to the stage where it's the Mardi Gras, the floats, mm, mm. and that's when uh, Malcolm was part of that. Malcolm Cole, 
was a part of the, the first Blackfellow float. And I think, like you were saying before, that was the one where they dressed up as Captain Cook or something. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I wasn't there for that one. But you were but, there the following one, eh, and all of that. But, yeah, but I know further down the track, um, I was in the Mardi Gras. Yes. And that. And then doing those performances and all those drags, uh, the drag performances and stuff, you were then asked by Malcolm, was it Malcolm that asked you to come and do it for the luncheons for um, people living with HIV? Um, it was another Malcolm mm -hmm. because his partner was um, at the dance theatre oh. and um, so word must have got around. <laughs> Um, because the first one was me and David did. I mean, the luncheon club kept going on, but I'm saying with me and David Page, we went there and we did our little routine that we did at um, at the um, at the Numbund Numbunda Festival. Yeah, I think that was Marlene Cummins, really. But yeah, um, so that's when we did it. The, at the luncheon club, then we invited other people because they had a, it was a NADOC celebration or reconciliation, something um, important. Mm -hmm. And the luncheon club is for people living with and affected with AIDS mm -hmm. and that. And um, so um, I was a part of that for the, and I was a carer for one uh, friend of mine who, uh, who was affected with AIDS. And that, so yeah, yeah. Gia, if um, your career, like with dance, with film, with television, um, the places you've been, the people that you've you've met and trained with along the way, you've seen the world shift and change in so many different ways. Um, you know, with COVID going on at the moment and with the cultural revolution that we're seeing both in the United States and as well as the rest of the world with Black Lives Matter, what do you see or what do you hope for our future after all of this, um, all of this extreme change that we're going through now? What, what is your hope for the future? Well, um, when COVID came along, um, I, uh, there was a couple of friends who were a little bit frightened about it, you know, they would talk to me and, um, and I would say, don't worry about that. You know, we've been through, uh, all these things that goes around the world, like whooping cough, like, you know, Vietnam War, um, Afghanistan, um, the AIDS epidemic, um, uh, what's the other one? There was, anyway, there was a lot of those things. I was just telling people, um, so don't worry about it. It's going to pass through. You just got to take care of yourself, you know, mm -hmm. and because it'll be okay. And I knew because of my belief in uh, the Lord and my ancestors, yeah. I knew they were protecting me uh, or us, and um, and I knew in that spiritual realm that that it was going to be okay because you know we're just going through another one of these phases, 
in in life challenges. So that's our challenge, and that. So during that time, when um, I felt that people may have been a bit, bit frightened, I said to them, "Don't be afraid." Um, so it's something I said on Facebook, and says, "Now you've got this time." Um, work on your dreams and that's when I was working on with the dance school yeah to work on that to do you know because we still got we still got technology and all of that you know to um, keep us um, communicating with the world yeah and that so that's what that's why if anything comes up like this you know you just have to um, go with it, you know, don't, you know, be frightened or anything. Yeah. Of course, you get frightened when you see the bill, I suppose, <laughs> electricity <laughs> bill. That's when you get frightened. Exactly. No. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good one to kind of wrap up on, um, talking about dreams and, and focusing on dreams. So come full circle, you're back at Port Pirie, you've got the Lillian Crombie School of Dance and Drama. What is your big dream? for the school, for the future of that school and, and those kids? Well, for the kids, um, I really want them to have the same experience as I, as I have. Um, and I want the kids to, if they do love whatever they do, be a fireman, dancer, policeman, whatever they get up to, um, you just don't give up on your love because it's your life you know it's about living it it's about experiencing it and um yeah and i think that's why when i went to nida uh that that brought the acting out of me even more i honed it and owned it <laughs> and with the <laughs> dancing um i danced it dancing gave me that um the um, uh, what do you call it? The emotional side of whatever. Uh, yeah, because I love dancing. And acting, I didn't want to act because of my stuttering. I had a very bad stuttering mm. as as a kid. But acting <laughs> through me, I went and did an audition for Meriki the Peacemaker for the Tow Truck Theatre. So I thought, oh, I'll just have a go at it, you know, see what happens. And I got the bloody thing, didn't I? Yeah. So and I thought, oh, my goodness, I stutter. Uh, okay. So when just before I go on stage, I'll be nervous as hell. People get butterflies, but mine was filling the room out, if you know what I mean, with butterflies. And, um, and then because that gave me a voice finally, there was a couple of times I kind of froze up, and uh, but I put that into as acting because when my ballet teacher, she said, whenever you make a mistake on stage, make it big. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> Made it big. No, I didn't say, oh, I forgot the words. What was it? You know, no. No, I just, because people there buying, you know, tickets, stuff, you got to, you know, go with it. I guess yeah. that's with life. You know, you just go with it. You know, I jumped in the deep end with acting yeah. because of my stuttering. I thought, oh, bloody hell. 
So now it's, I'm okay. I'm okay. So thanks to dancing. Thanks to um, uh, acting. Keith Bain is the main one for that. And, and Mrs. Walker, uh, my teacher, Glad King or Glad Peck, and my foster parents, mum and dad, especially mum, mm. and that she sewed up all these costumes. There's all glitter and stuff on the floor in my bedroom because she's busily sewing all about 75 hats for the school. <laughs> but anyway, bless her. I've still got it too. It's in my wardrobe. But, um, yeah, and I think that's with anybody. If they think that people have walked, walked all over them, um, you just uh, don't give up because um, your life is not theirs. So you're the one that's the captain of the ship, you know. You are, you're the one that's steering it left, right, wherever you want to go, whichever country, whatever. And uh, I could go on and on and on, yeah. but you get the drift. Yeah. <laughs> Good boys, words. And I'm enjoying it. I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I'm glad I come home uh, because in Sydney it was good. I was wanting, I was busting to go home, and then Australia came. I yeah. thought, wow, that's why I had to stay just a little bit longer because of Australia. That oh, was yeah. felt like a glove being in Australia, working on the set. It just, I felt, yes, this glove fits for sure. And yeah. that. Did you want to talk about that for a little, to, to how, the, how the experience was working in Australia, working with Baz? Because wasn't, didn't you and Baz, you first met at NIDA? Hey. Yeah, yep, yeah, 1983. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. He was in my class. And um, I didn't know that, uh, you know, first time I heard he was doing something was with the Australian Opera. He was directing that. So he must have done some directing somewhere. And when I seen it on the big poster and it, it, it said his name, you know, La Boheme it was. Yeah. Anyway, so I called up the Australian Opera. Can I speak with Baz, please, you know? They go to put me through to her. I spoke to Baz and I said, Baz, I just want to say congratulations. I'm so proud of you, and you know, um, of you doing this. So anyway, then after we would see you later and that, never contacted them until my cousin who was, uh, not my cousin, my nephew was, he was out partying down Oxford Street. Nah. Um, he called up one o'clock in the morning. I don't know what made him think that I was still up watching, t you know, because I was watching TV, mm. you know, watching late night movies. I answered and he said, oh, God, oh, there's a fellow he's saying that he's going to be in this movie uh, with, at that time, it was Russell Crowe and also Nicole Kidman, you know. But, of course, there was a couple of changes as they came along. That's where we, we had Hugh Jackman. Anyway, so that Monday, I thought, wow, I'm calling up Baz. So I just called up, you know, and, of course, he wasn't working at, um, Australian Opera then. Somehow uh, I called the um, casting agent, then somehow went to Baz's secretary or whatever, and I asked, I, I hear you're doing a movie. I want to be in on that, please, you know, da-da-da, like this, you know. So 
I called up the next day and they said, oh, we've let Baz know. And I said, oh, oh, great, that's good. He said to say hello to you. And I oh, thank you, that's good. Well, you better give me the job. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. No, well, kind of, but no, not really. But anyway, as we're going along, um, I think uh, a week later or something, or two weeks, whenever, uh, uh, and they said, uh, because we had content, contacted each other, the lady from casting agents, I can't remember now who they were, sorry. Um, so they said, you're shortlisted. And I said, really? So it's me and somebody else. But found out afterward there was nobody else, it was just me. Hmm. I was wondering why they never asked me for my CV, you know, because that's what you usually do. So they could see your work. And obviously Baz already knew my work. So that was good. So I'm happy about that. That's how we got to connect again on the film of, of Australia. Mm. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and working on that, I felt quite at home, actually. So I need more of these films because all the plays and theatre work and short films and that, that was preparing me for, for Australia. So there has to be another one coming up. And because of my health, my dialysis on the machines and stuff, that that's something else. Well, um, uh, I thought I'd come home and watch the daisies grow. You know, I thought I'd just, that's it now. But when um, Dr. Stephen McDonald from the renal at the Royal Adelaide Hospital Word got around I was in Australia. Anyway, so what happened when they came to check on, you know, all their patients? So him and his team was, you know, standing at the foot of my bed and said, um, you need to still do acting and working around your dialysis. I was like, I was like, there's hope now. There's hope. I can get back. Oh, great. So I just had to get used to this dialysis business, you know, my kidneys and all of that. Um, so the next person was when I finally came back home, actually I was going back and forward to the Royal Adelaide and um, you know, flying me on the Royal Flying Doctor Service. That was lovely. Bumpy but lovely. Got me there. <laughs> so I was at... Um, uh, at this meeting, and uh, and somebody come up to me and said, "Oh, um, because they knew that I was in Australia." They said, "Oh, you should watch um, Australian Story." And I said, "Why?" And I said, "Because Jack Thompson's on there." And I said, "Really, Uncle Jack? Oh, great! All right then." So I couldn't find it, so I googled it, and there it was. As I was watching, then it told me. He said that. Um, that his, his life had changed, him and his son were talking, and uh, I don't know what he was talking about. Then next minute I found out he was on dialysis. Mm. He had kidney failure. I didn't know that. So we're both in the same same business here, uh, but he was working. He was still working while he was on dialysis. Well, that was another... Hope for me, yes. 
Yeah. I can freaking do it. I will and I'm going to. And that's yeah. it. You can't stop me now. I'm not retiring as people are saying all the time. Are you retiring? You're going to know. I don't know that freaking word yeah. at all. I don't know retiring. Nothing. No. So I'm doing my school. This is what keeps me going and my family. Families are strong. I know we always argue and carry on with each other, but we're always there to support each other. Oh, oh that's so. But that was it. So, yeah, keep. What are we, we going to see you in next, eh? Who, yep. Who do they contact? Who do they surprise, surprise. Contact? Yeah, exactly. It will be a surprise. Yep, yep. And I'm creating also a documentary. I want to do that on my life and hopefully a book. Yes. I want to do a book and also, wait for it, I want to do a feature film mm. on my life because, you know, coming back from, from the bush as a kid mm. and that, I want to do that. But, yeah. Who do you want to got, direct it? Who do you want to direct it? Who do you want to write it? Oh, well, what? The, the feature. feature. Oh, I've got somebody, but I won't say yet. Oh, damn. I'll tell you in secret, good. not public. Public, public, no. Yeah. Oh, deadly. So I'll call you up Is after this, yeah, and tell you about it, okay? Yeah. It's what I first thought about, yep. Your life has been extraordinary, Auntie. I'd love to see that on film. It would be brilliant. Oh, yes. Oh. I've got a lot to tell. Oh, you do. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, holds barred, mate. Of course, I'm, <laughs> I'll keep to myself. not sharing everything with you. Gee whiz. Ah. <laughs> well, thank you for yarning with me this morning. No, thank you very much for this opportunity. I yeah. thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh. Thank you very much. Brilliant. And, uh, and thanks, everybody, for listening in on my story and that, you know, hope you've learned something. Thanks for listening. You can find a list of episode notes and links on delvingintodance.com where you can also find a large archive of previous episodes including Noel Tovey, Carol Johnson and Vicky Van Hoot. This project relies on listener contributions and you can contribute on the website. It also relies on the support of Victorian Government through Creative Victoria and the Australian Government through the Australia Council, its arts funding and advisory body. Thanks again for listening.